0: Welcome to the Institute for Person Centered Care podcast. This is Ann Garten, your host, and I'm really excited today to introduce to you two of my peers from the Kinesiology program and MPH program, uh, Erica Thomas and Christopher Schwartz. And they both oversee our Exercise is Medicine program here at St. Ambrose. And we're hoping, that, I'm going to put it out there a little bit, that we're hoping to actually push that a little bit more into our community soon, and we'll get there in our conversation. Welcome to you both. I wonder, Erica, if you could start with just sharing a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi,
1: I'm Erica Thomas. I am a faculty member here at St. Ambrose. I teach in both our Department of Kinesiology, uh, where I teach our health, illness, and well-being, and exercise prescription and program design classes. Um, And then I also teach in our Master of Public Health program. My focus is health communication and qualitative research methods. Welcome. Thank you.
0: Christopher.
2: I am also in the kinesiology department um, full in the full time in the kinesiology. Um, I'm an associate professor. Uh, I've been here. This is my fifth year here. Um, I teach exercise physiology, health, wellness, you know, kind of anything really. But I do like to focus on I'm a physiologist and uh, cardiovascular, neurovascular research, autonomic function. Um, but lately, I've been moving more towards exercise promotion, health promotion. Um, I'm all about exercise. So so that's why I brought Exercise is Medicine to campus for that reason. Yeah.
0: What makes you excited about Exercise is Medicine and the work that you do overall? I think that's really important to tell your story. How did you get there, right?
2: Well, um, I've always been active. Um, I like to run. I like, I do triathlons. I swim, I bike, I run. I used to play basketball. Um, not anymore. I'm too old for that, but my back won't handle it. Um, (laughs) but I I think what I got when I got into exercise science, um, I just found this place where I can learn about exercise. I can learn what it does for your body. I, I can understand the benefits of it. And I just, I don't know, I, I just got really excited and I want to, you know, promote that and get people to understand why do we say exercise is important. Um, and just to provide uh, more resources on campus for increasing physical activity um, for fun, not just for like health, but just so that we can get out there and have fun because it, I don't know, it's, it's good for you and it's, it's good socially, it's good mentally, it's good physically.
0: Indeed. I think people, we all recognize that exercise is good for us, right? But I think there's some context that we should also share in that um, lack of exercise is part of the leading causes of death all, from all physical inactivity, right? From heart to mm-hmm. uh, some cancers, COVID, long COVID, they're seeing some connection wow. there. Stroke, diabetes, pneumonia, even accidents, right? Our elderly who are more at fall risk. Um, And we can make exercise available to all kinds of folks, even those who may struggle with exercise Mm -hmm. because of their own chronic conditions and what have you. But before we go further on some of that, I also want to pull in, Erica, your passion for promotion, right? Because I think that's really important, too, is is why do we continually have to promote and why is it that uh, folks are – to struggle with this right because uh, we already we've been told since kindergarten that exercise is good for us right mm-hmm. so I wonder if you could pull some of that in
1: yeah absolutely and I think that's why it made a lot of sense for Chris and I to team up on this um you know I came from to this by kind of a different pathway you know I, I grew up not playing sports and not having exposure to physical activity opportunities um and I became in touch with that not until I was in college right so I um was majoring in biology and learning about physiology and I was just, my mind was blown like, wow, this is really cool. Um, But we know that knowledge is not what most people lack, right? So I was in grad school and I was studying like physiology, hardcore, you know, exercise physiology. And I got to the point where I was thinking about how, you know, we already know a lot about how this is beneficial, but the gap is more how do we create an environment, sort of that public health perspective of setting up the system so that it's easy and it's built into the culture for us to be engaging in lots of different types of physical activity. You know, we might traditionally think of organized sports um, or expensive equipment when we think about being active um, And so I think the communication and the promotion component is lowering those barriers um, and really creating an environment where everyone feels comfortable and welcome in the physical activity culture.
0: Indeed, we do have a global problem, right? So the World Health Organization actually shares that there's a global epidemic of inactivity. So uh, we, like you said, we have the knowledge, we're just not applying it. How do we make movement more accessible, safer feeling for some folks, right? And, uh, and, and want to engage in that. You know, I think some of our folks listening may hear this and say, oh yeah, everyone's on their device rather than walking, right? So how, how do we get folks there? So I wonder if you can share a little bit of how you see that happening.
1: Well, what we're really working on in the whole underlying current of exercise as medicine is the approach of, and this is just one of many approaches, right? I don't think that exercise as medicine is the end all be all to this problem, but it is one approach where we're trying to link in with the healthcare system. And so, exercise and physical activity as a vital sign, so, You know, your doctor might take your blood pressure, and then they also ask you about your physical activity, just as another health check uh, when you're at the doctor. Um, And then eventually moving to a system where we could connect folks who clinicians feel would benefit from an exercise uh, professional to sort of facilitate that process. I don't know if you want to add
2: more about that? Yeah, that, that is, uh, so American College of Sports Medicine, or ACSM, is really one of the gold standards in our field for um, health and wellness and promoting exercise um, and fitness and physical activity. And exercise medicine is their, one of their flagship, um, I'm losing my words here, but one of their, their Programs, fl- initiatives. Right? La- initiatives yeah. yeah, one of their, uh, and so then they want us to bring that to campus because many researchers obviously are on university campuses, and so there's this on-campus component. So their goal, ACSM's goal, is to really make that connection with the clinicians and have a, maybe referrals or however that looks. Um, on campus, it can look like that. It can be as simple as providing... Uh, I, we have a walking group on campus. Um, any, any way that you see... That is a, a means for you to implement some sort of program or activity or event on campus, so we 're trying to get a little bit of both because i you have to i think there it's one of the things I want to do with exercises medicine is make it as accessible as possible, making physical activity accessible. And part of that is uh, through referrals, and that is our ultimate goal, is to work with hospitals and local community organizations, Um, connecting them to resources where they may not know or understand, you know, just as simple as walking can be very helpful for you and and, um, very beneficial.
0: I think the other piece, programs like this or walk with a doc or, you know, so on and so forth. Also connect people and and hold each other accountable, right? We I, I have a bunch of friends who are going to meet at twelve thirty. You meet right or twelve o'clock? Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock in the rec center, and and I can go walk with them, and they help me keep accountable, right? Um, and and that's that's helpful and beneficial, but we don't necessarily always need the um, equipment, right? Uh, things of that nature that I think people think we need to to do this work. The park is right around the corner in the, in when the weather breaks. Today's a little bad for that. I'm not going to lie, folks, that are, may listen to this later in the summer, but it's snowing hard out today, so right, the rec center becomes a, a, a safe spot for, for that. But I want to go back, to on the referral piece, right? how do we change practice systemically because what tends to happen is some of us isn't hardwired when we're young, or we we wax and wane, right? Not gonna lie, I am a little older and I don't always get up and go my on my walk. But then not to then go in and have high blood pressure and go immediately to a pill. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do need to go to that. That's definitely a person-centered and physical need that your provider and you need to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But, how is it that I can incorporate exercise in that discussion and also help them decrease the barriers to that?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely not a one or the other situation, right It's not an either or. We typically see these working as you know dual therapies I, in an ideal world if it's at that level where a doctor's prescribing a medication. Um, one option that's sort of becoming a new best practice is having questions about physical activity built into. Uh, like the electronic medical record systems. So that's something, a metric that clinicians can track over time and initiate those conversations because uh, it's not something that always comes up, you know? And so if it's sort of built into the, into the setup of a, Uh, appointment, you know, because it totally does. It's normal for it to wax and wane, and there's going to be times in your life where you're more physically active, and we're certainly not advocating that more is always more, right? Right. Um, They also changed the – recent, fairly recently, the physical activity recommendations. You know, we used to say they need to be at least 30 minutes at a time for you to get any benefit, and we don't use that recommendation anymore. We say whatever you can do is great. If it's three minutes, if it's ten minutes – just do something is better than nothing. So I think changing the way we think about the guidelines, too,
0: has has. Uh, lowered the barriers a little bit, hopefully. Yep. And I think, too, the other piece is to understand that each individual is going to have different activity levels that they can handle, and that that will also wax and wane, right? And I'm going to use my dad as an example. He's 90. He loves silver sneakers, right? And, and it was something that he um, is loving because of the engagement with other folks, mm-hmm. keeps him accountable, mm-hmm. and as well as... Exercise feels good. It makes him be able to breathe better, and and it keeps him from falling more, things of that nature. So looking at how we can share those programs with those individuals, but also how do we promote it in a way that is – uh, attainable, and they want to, right? I, I will admit, he has said, I'm the only guy. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Right? That That's, yeah. yeah. So uh, Chris, I wonder if you have any thoughts on, on some of that. Sorry, uh, I put you on the spot because you're the guy in the room.
2: <laughs> fair enough, but I honestly, I, I don't exactly know. I mean, I, I already know that exercise makes me feel good, and there might be a component of, um, you know, feeling like, if I need to go to this group, you know, then, you know, I can't do it on my own, that that sense um out there. But, you know, it's I, I think finding what works for you, um, and I'm not as familiar with what Silver Sneakers does for their workouts and there's certainly maybe some some um sense of like if if it's more aerobics then, you know, it it may not be as manly quote unquote. Um, but at the same time, like you got to find what works for you. What's most, what's fun, what's going to get you going back. And no matter what that is, like, if you find that, like that you can, you'll stick to it and you'll, even if you have to go away for a little while, you're going to remember, be like, that was fun. I'm going to go do it again. I certainly love doing Zumba. I love doing aerobics. I love doing, uh, all those, those group fitness classes really just add an an element of fun to it. Whereas, um, I also will go walking and I go running and I do a lot of exercise on my own. And I, I really appreciate getting to work out with other people, um, just as much as I like to do it on my own.
0: I think the other piece, if you look at across the lifespan and and where you are at, is is for some of us, working out with others doesn't work. You know, when I had just had my son, literally it was easy for me to go for a run. I could leave him with dad, and I went out for even if it was just a 15, 20 minute run, right? Mm -hmm. To just get out of the house and, and do that for not only my physical health but also my mental health. I think that's really important piece to pull in as well, that we know science shows us that exercise does improve or help our our mental health. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I I send a lot of students out to do observations with Silver Sneakers classes, and they they interview the participants, and I think they uh, have more impactful comments about the social component uh, and... The I have something built into my day that's scheduled where I know I'm going to see other people and have a good time. And even if I don't initially want to go, once I get there, I see my friends and it feels really good. And that's really, really impactful. And honestly, I would benefit from that, too. I don't think that's unique to older adults, certainly, any, you uh, know. Yeah. So
0: I think the other piece for that population to understand what I saw, because I, I did go to a couple w- with him, is the the – leader and, and person who was engaging them all was also very person centered in where each individual was in their abilities, right? So that that's was great. that was yeah. really great. They did have students with them. Mm-hmm. So uh, my dad is not as balanced as some of the others. So someone was literally assigned to him and, mm-hmm. and assist him as needed. So I gotta give kudos to, to that to that Yeah, page that's for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the other piece is is to understand your readiness for it and and to n- not go out all out when you haven't been doing anything right. Uh, I wonder if you want to speak to that a little yeah
1: bit. we we talk a lot about you know starting where you are and making uh goals that are uh reasonable and starting small and you can always add more right so when I'm working with um you know clients or just chatting with folks or, you know, the people will just bring it up. Like, I'm really trying to increase my physical activity. We always say start with one or two small goals. So, for example, if you are um, not doing any regularly scheduled exercise, starting with one or two sessions per week is fantastic. Um, And, you know, Maybe working up to what you want to get to eventually over the course of weeks, months. It takes takes time to adapt to that and to do it safely and to do it in a way that's going to keep you coming back. That's sort of the key is keeping intensity at a level where you're not going to burn yourself out and not want to participate. It's more beneficial for you to do a lower intensity walk for four days a week than one really difficult run and then not be able to do anything the rest of the week. Mm. So that's something we definitely focus on.
2: Yeah, I, there's a also a component of, um, you know, if you are, if you are older, when I work, when I talk with my parents about um, exercise, there there's also a sense of, I used to be able to do it at this intensity, I used to be able to do it this way, and they really do have to overcome some of that sense of like, well, I I can't go out and run like I used to run. I think we all kind of experience that. Even, you know, I'm, I'm only 40 years old and even I experience that, you know, when I haven't been exercising for a while, I have to remember that I can't just go out and just go all out like I used to because it'll probably set me back. I might get hurt or I might be too sore. Um, and so re- trying to remember, like, even if I'm just getting up and doing something, that that is working towards getting me back to where I, I once was, um, can be very beneficial, but yeah, you do have to overcome some of that. Like, oh, I, I used to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I don't have a, an answer to that other than like, just try and get up and and keep moving and making that small goal will put you on a path to get back to where you used to be. Cause I'm never going to say you can't get back to that level.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh for others for the listeners perspective, uh I've always been active. Um, but again, wax and wane depending on what's going on in my life, right? And um uh have uh some I'm, I'm getting older as well, so my body changes, so on and so forth, right? And I have actually found uh, some key Pilates groups that have really helped me in um, toning up some of those muscles that I need to, for, to improve my balance, mm-hmm. um, things of that nature. So it doesn't even ha- always have to be... You know the what we tend to think of the heavier uh, exercise. Uh, I have a I have a uh, aunt who is in her 80s and can out yoga, out pl- Pilates, plank me by far, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and it keeps her young. It keeps her balanced. Things of that nature. And she started young, so and and kept it going. So that has certainly helped. But when I have gone back, it it takes me a little while. I think this is really important part. It takes weeks. To to hardwire it into my practice. And once I hardwire it, I'm still not seeing the complete benefits. But when I keep going, that's when I start seeing my body change enough that, oh, look, I'm not standing not as upright as I had in, you know, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Th- things, that like, they, my, things that improve posture, so on and so forth. So I think that's really important is to take also the – small wins and celebrate them because we tend to think we have to be all here because culture tries to push the all here. Nope. The small wins are huge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The consistency component over long periods of time. I know it's not fun and it's not exciting and it's not what anyone wants to hear, but it, it really is what it takes uh, and it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't even have to be at super, super high intensities, but the consistency over time. And that's where something like an accountability buddy or a health coach could be
0: helpful. I'm going to pull in the health coach. Well done. I think you and I had the same thought. When we think about our clinicians and in, in this conversation, they assess, they recognize that they uh, have somebody who may be interested in exercising, seeing some of those barriers, right? We Know that our providers uh, will refer folks to OTPT things of that nature, but what of the notion of referring them to someone who this is their specialty, right? And 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 helping folks with that health coach part and that exercise on a regular basis. Chris, go for it.
2: Well, the health coach is going to be different than even like a personal trainer. So um, you can refer someone to physical therapy, you know, to to rehab, an injury. Um, You can refer someone to, you know, the YMCA for personal training and get one-on-one with some exercise. The health coach might even be someone that's in between all of that. Um, But really, they're there to talk to you. More than to put hands on you and and work with you directly, but they 're there to talk with you, create accountability. We just talked about small goals they 're going to help you create small goals and also a larger goal to work towards, and then hold you accountable and change those small goals along the way so you know we've we 've implemented this health coaching program here um, on campus as a way to get people that may not have time. Um, to work with a personal trainer, um, we so we want to get them in talking about ways to, you know, make them feel more healthy, and that could include it doesn't have to be exercise, um, though that's always going to be a little bit of a part of it, but it could be you know w- drinking more water throughout the day, standing more throughout the day, you know, getting some just movement throughout the day or sleeping better, uh trying to get more sleep overnight. So it's it's more holistic, um and it definitely is more direct, one on one conversation, motivation, accountability. Um so I think it it is something that I think should be in the conversation about referral. You know, when we create a team to make somebody better, to make their health better, I think a health coach is an important part of that.
0: What are we doing, I think, in our curriculum to also build that? So of the, the sustainability piece, I wonder if you want to share a little bit about that.
2: Well within our curriculum we are already teaching our students about what are the physical activity guidelines, what is a proper way to prescribe exercise. Um, but as a part of that we're we're teaching them how to make goals that are going to be sustainable over time how to reassess how to you know keep reading and, and keep their eyes open to what's new coming out in terms of research and technology that can benefit their uh, clients and their patients and so we've got classes uh, that are talking about, like, psychology, um, the psychology of exercise and wellness, implementing goal setting as well as motivational interviewing techniques. Not motivational interview. We don't have, like, just motivational interviewing, which is a form of um, basically conversation to, to get people to change their behavior. Uh, we use some of those techniques um, in trying to get them to think more about how can they change their behavior themselves, creating their go- the goals for themselves um, and really trying to take we teach the students to learn it, but then talk to somebody in a way that will get that person to think for it on their own rather than just me telling you what to do right. so they that, that they're doesn't working really on work.
0: applying it as well right
2: absolutely yeah so we we have that hands on component where they're they're working in class and The what we are trying to implement, do more of, is get someone from the outside. So instead of students talking with students, you know, that can feel a little bit awkward. And let's be real, they're all young and healthy and not going to – they're not going to have the same conversation with a peer as they would with someone like myself who's middle-aged and in the working world and maybe just needs to lower my blood pressure. (laughs) So we try to – get them to meet up with people from on campus or outside of campus to have those conversations just so they can have that experience.
0: That's one thing I'm excited about Uh, where we, as a group, the three of us have put in a grant to hopefully do some of that work in the community in the near future. So more to come if, if that all goes through, right? Yeah, hopefully we'll see. Anything in closing that you want to add or share Erica?
1: Uh, just thanks for having us. It's been really great to have this conversation. And I, we're excited to keep the momentum going that Exercises Medicine has right now. We had a really cool event last night um, that I think we will be repeating on campus. Uh, we called it Gym 101. It was sort of an introduction to the fitness facilities. We closed down the, the recreational fitness space. Uh, and had our students lead folks through who just wanted an introduction. And our goal being, we want everyone on campus to feel comfortable and confident using that free resource. Um, so just working towards lowering those barriers. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of our many goals that we're working towards. So, yeah,
0: Excellent. thanks. Of course. Chris?
2: Yeah, I, again, thank you for having us. I, I think we're really excited um, to be moving forward and keep growing our health coaching program. Um, no matter... If we get a grant or not, right? We right. we want to keep growing that and and giving those opportunities to the students as well as the the surrounding community for the resource that we provide and and just growing exercises in medicine here on campus. Um, it's you know we kind of had to take take some time off with, with COVID and everything being separate, all of us being separated. But we're we're coming back and and we're trying to to get it going and get the momentum that we had before. Covid had to d- derail us like it did to
0: right. a lot of people. A lot of people. So. I think for our listeners who are not on campus too, to um, think outside the box on resources that are in the community, and as well as our public health folks. Right, we know that we we tend to walk better if we feel safe in our community and have good lighting. Uh, And for some folks, they don't recognize that all that YMCA can do, even for our low-income folks on on some reduced costs for them, or KSI for our local elderly folks, they have some great resources there. And even the folks who walk the mall, right, uh, is is another opportunity for some. So I thank you all for coming. It's been great having this conversation, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks.
2: audio production for the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast is provided by KALA FM Studios in Davenport, Iowa. The show is engineered by Dave Baker. It is produced by Ann Garten, Director of the Institute for Person-Centered Care and Nursing Faculty at St. Ambrose University.